Welcome to Art of Retreat 2019, the parkour leadership and education retreat. We're in the Cascade Mountains outside of Seattle, Washington. I'm Craig Constantine from Movers Mindset, and I'm here with Nikki Zanevsky. Excited to be here, Craig. Nikki Zanevsky is the founder of Wildly Fit, a movement coaching organization in Jersey City and New York City. Her practice combines influences from parkour, natural movement, stick mobility, and fighting monkey to help adults relearn how to move and play to give them a better quality of life. Nikki was also a founding member of the Movement Creative in New York City and is passionate about making movement accessible to all populations. Welcome, Nikki. Thank you. Your session was titled Partner Games and Mobility. And I'm wondering, okay, first of all, I'm guessing this was an outdoor session, if I know you and how this works, not a lecture session. So can you walk me through some of the key points of it, what you were trying to get across when you delivered it to your students? One of the concepts that's most interesting to me and the thing I really wanted to get across in this session is how we can use partners and other variables outside of ourselves to help unearth little weaknesses in our own training and our own movement. So the whole session was focused on that. And in this instance, we used one particular tool, the humble PVC pipe <laughs> and just and lots of different partners and looked at all of the different ways we could use this tool and work with different people to find how do we move all the time and how do we not move? What is our default movement? What are some things that we maybe are missing in our movement? And I'm wondering when you prepared the session, I'm, I'm guessing you would have a vision for how you would like it to go out to go. And you would also have, I'm suspecting um, something you'd like to deliver or there's a particular piece or maybe multiple that you want them to take away. So I'm wondering when you come into the event with that preconceived vision, did it go as you expected or did you find that the students were more capable than you were expecting or that they went in different directions, well, figuratively or literally than you were expecting? That's a great question because I was actually discussing that with somebody who attended. These are games that I use all the time with different groups, especially with my regular students in my classes. And every time I use these games, I see something new that the students do that I wouldn't have thought of. So I intentionally leave the tasks um, a little bit more open. I just give students a goal, see what they do. Once I notice that different groups or different partners are coming up with something super cool, I'll draw everybody's attention to it. And there were so many instances like that here. I mean, we are surrounded by people who are leaders uh, in their field, people who've been moving for a very long time. So I'm not surprised that they took it to new levels, but I love it and I'm excited that I got some footage. So can you take me through um, maybe one of, uh, I'm gonna, like do the whole thing for me, but I, I missed it. I walked by at one point and I saw one thing you're doing. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's I, I want to stop, but I don't have time and I want to do that thing. So can you walk me through maybe one or two little snapshots of what the drills look like? And maybe we can find something that we can challenge people to try at home, um, either literally as a movement practice, like right now, press, you know, press pause and try something. Absolutely. So before I answer your question, is it okay if I just give the framework Sure, absolutely. So the framework for the session was, um, or the initial, the, the main concept, the nugget in there, it comes from something I learned from Fighting Monkey, which uh, is something I mentioned a little earlier, but basically you cannot evolve alone. If you just go and you always train, you always move by yourself, you won't necessarily make the same kind of progress as you would with other people. So uh, what are the ways that we could use other people to put ourselves in situations that are unexpected? and um, using other people and the PVC pipe, I wanted to take everyone through three different ways to use the pipe. So one is as an object to throw and catch. So something you pass between people. 
Number two is as an object to create an environment. And number three is as a point of connection. So first we started with the easier things, a lot of throwing, catching, passing PVC pipes. These are games that folks who do parkour or other um, movement arts may be familiar with. One person is holding the PVC pipe just gently and drops it. The other person has to catch it as close as possible mm -hmm. to the ground. What you're working on really are squats and lunges, but it's way more fun mm. because you're doing it as part of a game and there's the competitive element of how close to the floor can you get. So we start with simple things like that. And um, the next piece where we really use the pipe to create a new environment, that's where I saw uh, these folks really taking it to a whole new level. Blew it open, right? Yeah. So imagine a group of five people, two PVC pipes four people are holding the pipes. That means two people on each end of the pipe, mm -hmm. if that's a clear picture. Yep. And one person is moving. So the people who are holding the pipes can use them to create shapes that the mover would have to go over, under, or through. And every time the mover goes through, the shapes keep changing. Mm. So that's the basic concept. But where these guys took it to is these are PVC pipes, which I did not expect anybody to necessarily be putting pressure onto. <laughs> <laughs> they <laughs> here's your kong free challenge right <laughs> um actually there was a double kong <laughs> there was definitely a pre and there were a lot oh there was an underbar mm. and a lot of rolls so just really beautiful movement i love the variety and i think um when you think about what can you do with this in your own practice if you come to a space that's not changing as quickly as this kind of space where your partners are constantly moving around those pvc pipes are changing every every few seconds. So I think it puts people who even are really confident movers have been doing it for a long time. It's something new and different for them that puts them a little bit, um, keeps them on their toes, I would say. I had a discussion with someone, we were talking about um, vault box construction and the, that opens up the whole thing of like, yeah, but if the pieces are movable in the gym, is it more or less like real parkour training? Because there's almost like, there's a degree of found space when you go to a parkour gym. Um, and the point he was making was like, yeah, but I didn't necessarily set those pieces up. So they changed between when I was here yesterday and the way he does it, I don't move them. I just find them and go with them. So I think that novelty, that spatial novelty, I think that's something that people really need like at a deep level that really intrigues them. And I think definitely I agree with that. And the point for me is it's someone else changing the environment. So you as the person coming in and interacting with that environment, you can't default to your patterns because you have to react to something mm -hmm. someone else is doing. So you have to be adaptable or become adaptable through either working in a gym where some where other people are moving around equipment or working with these drills where other people are moving around the pipes. Nikki, mm. I've done a few interviews and some people show up with notes and some people don't. Some people show up nervous, some people get excited. Um, but I don't think I've ever seen anybody write that small. So <laughs> I can't even read it from over here. So I'm just wondering like, before I ask so many questions that I derail your train of thought, what's something else that you clearly want to share? In addition to what we were just talking about, one thing in particular that I really wanted to share with the participants today is that even though we use the PVC pipe and we had so much fun playing all these different games and everyone asked me for a list of all the games because they saw how they could apply them in their own spaces, I wanted them to take away the fact that it's not about the PVC pipe. The PVC pipe doesn't matter. You could use any object or you could use even just another person's body as the variable that changes your space. So it's mostly about, are you putting yourself into situations where you could be uncomfortable and you have to become adaptable? 
and what can you use? What are the different um, spaces or objects you can use to make that happen? And PVC pipe is just one of those things. Nikki, I've seen you do a few different sessions, and I don't know that I've ever actually been in one of them. I always seem to be walking by them, but I've seen you do a bunch of different sessions that have this theme where you're challenging people with, sometimes it's, I can tell, maddeningly simple challenges. Just do this little thing. Why can't you do this little thing? And not in a mean way, but it forces people to like flip their thinking or rearrange their thinking. And I'm wondering if there's an example of something where you've seen um, maybe parkour people have a blind spot where you've given them a challenge or you've seen them accept the challenge and then they realize that, wait, this shouldn't be as hard as it is. Why does this feel so hard? And I'm wondering if you saw anything like that in your session that came up. Definitely. Uh, so there was actually something today that I ended up incorporating because it was challenging for me. So uh, a lot of parkour people are familiar with uh, Zen Archer. Uh, it's something that originally came from capoeira i believe and basically imagine one person holding a pvc pipe and swiping it in different ways and the other person who's partnering with them trying to avoid it and moving around in the space while doing so so this was fine for a lot of parkour people this is something um i and they have done a bunch of times i tried this drill with somebody a friend of mine who does sistema and he showed me a different way of doing it that i then incorporated into the session today where instead of avoiding the obstacle and thinking of it as, let's say, a laser lightsaber, right. I, I can't get hit by this, in, uh, from a Sistema mindset, it's how can you be soft and how can you make it more, um, how can you react to the object in more of an improv way? So yes, and you are, you know, your partner is moving this object towards you and you soften into it and you stay close to it. So even though a lot of us work on flow within our parkour practice, we don't necessarily um, have this soft, I guess, melting into the obstacle yeah, relationship. Or receiving of the energy. Right, exactly. Receiving of the energy of the obstacle. Um, or the partners who are holding the PVC pipes actually found it challenging to give that energy. And to give it honestly. So yeah. I, I have done, so I have a lot of Aikido experience mm -hmm. and we do metric tons of that. And... Sometimes people have trouble when, especially new with that, they have trouble like being honest about giving the energy. So they go in and when they realize that you're kind of enjoying blending with it, then it gets a little real and it becomes like an attack. Yeah. And it's challenging from both the receiving side and the giving side until both people kind of figured out. Um, were there any people in the session who were particularly good at it out of the gate that you fell over? And Definitely. Like, so those participants who had more experience with dance or contact improv, mm -hmm. Aikido. Uh, yeah, people used to working in, in pairs or in interpretive uh, environments. Exactly. Yeah. But once those people who had that experience were able to share it and show some ways in which they would move with the object, everyone else was oh, able to- it was to, infectious. That's exactly. interesting. It, it was awesome because you could see it right away. Everyone really felt like they got um, some techniques that they could add to their own practice. Mm. And what I loved most is the culmination, I would say, of the session was when I asked everybody to choose a new partner and one person holds one end of the PVC pipe, the other person holds the other and they, partner A leads partner B through the space in any way that they want. And I felt like all of the work that they did previously, both with avoiding the PVC pipe and also going with the flow of someone else's energy, they were able to take that to whole new levels, mm. moving across the space in wild ways. And I'm really glad I got footage of that. I'm going to guess that there is a difference in how the training plays out in a space like we are here. Um, you know, we're 2,000 feet above sea level in a 
evergreen forest and it keeps drizzling so things are always this really rich green and the and the earth is soft and pine needles and i'm wondering if you've ever had a chance to think about and if you've made any observations about the differences of how students receive these types of games and challenges in um either in a gym or like an urban space like a real um i hate to say artificial but in an artificial man-built space compared to like this organic environment are they quicker to pick it up maybe or more more interested in involving the environment when they're playing the games i'm just wondering well you know what's funny when you ask me that it uh, definitely makes me think of myself and how i am somebody who lives in a hyper urban environment i mostly train uh, using objects that are at right angles to each other so even for me being in this space I immediately, as soon as I come here, I think, wow, this is amazing. There's so much more variety here. There's so much more as a coach that I could do, that I could play with. And I think um, speaking with the different participants, those who are more used to training in nature, it's natural for them. They mm -hmm. just say, okay, this, this is great. We're going to do all these drills and balance on the logs, jump from yes, please, one, right. <laughs> one rock to tree stump to, to pine cone. And those of us who, like me, are from those more urban environments, it's just an additional level of challenge. So for some of the drills, I did ask everyone to take these giant logs and bring them into our space and to be doing drills while having to move over and across the logs while still partnering. So we were able to use the space and 100% it's richer because of all of the organic shapes. Anything else that jumps to mind about the sessions? I'm wondering um, how you may change the way you deliver the sessions in the future now that you've had this experience. I know you've done this before, but I guess that each time that you do it, you strike me as a, um, the type of person who would um, review their work and, and make changes. And I'm wondering if anything new came to you like, uh, I'm going to change this or I'm going to keep that tool in the toolkit. The way that I like to coach typically is I like to give participants a task see what they do with it, notice you know, what looks good, what are some areas where people may need some cues, and then add the cues. So I think um, seeing how difficult it was for some folks to do that improv style movement with the PVC pipe, it just makes me consider when should I give more demonstration of different things ahead of time? And when is it helpful to leave it so open? I think there's a huge benefit to leaving it open because if I demonstrate something, uh, people will think that's the way to do it. I have shown yeah, the- Yeah, you poisoned the well. <laughs> exactly, the, the model. And if I don't show it, they can create something much more creative, much more interesting that then I could build off of. So I think um, because it was just today, I'm still gonna think a lot more about it, but there's something to it, how much to show versus how much to, to show a little later after everyone's- mm -hmm. there's, there's value in the struggle. There's value in not getting it, but it's also, you know, how quickly do you help people see, okay, I know you're struggling, so here are here's some help. There are several people who are pretty much a staple at Art of Retreat events, and you would be one of them. And I'm wondering if you could have like a blank slate for next year. Um, and no, you can't move it to your favorite place in the world and give us all free plane tickets. <laughs> I mean, a blank slate of like, if you come back here and you had this environment, but you had, you had an opportunity to create a session that doesn't exist um, or or something that would be completely different. Um, you know, like one I could think of that'd be really random, be like, we're all gonna get boats or we're all gonna go lay on the dock and do breathing meditation in the middle of the lake. Um, just like something that is, we're not doing it now and I'm not sure it's a good idea, but I'm wondering what really random tricks you would pull out of your box of tools and all your collection of ideas. Well, first of all, that sounds amazing. I like yours, <laughs> let's do yours. Um, 
I games are a huge part of my practice. So I'm always thinking about how, how to use games to push people's, I was going to say push people's buttons, but it's really push their level, <laughs> <laughs> push their movement. Um, and I have these lights that I play with. Those of you who are listening may have seen them in videos from professional sports teams. So somebody will be doing an agility drill, let's say for soccer, and they're just um, doing some footwork in place. And these lights are set up around a space and they'll have to run to the one that lights up. Uh, okay. So I work with these a lot in my classes. My students love them. It's, as we all know, parkour draws in a lot of nerdy people. So <laughs> Hey, I resemble that remark. <laughs> so it's, um, it's basically, it's not virtual reality, but it's augmented reality. Right, so you right. can feel like you're in that video game or you could feel like, um, so you could feel like you're in that video game basically. And um, yeah, I would just love to incorporate that having a little bit of that technological aspect, see how it works with the organic space. I, whoa, get out of my head. I was, last night, the, the they do night missions and they turn the lights out. So this is a, a camp like with buildings and it's spread out over maybe a half a mile. And it's when they turn the lights out, it's like, oops, I forgot my flashlight. It's dark. And <laughs> yeah. they kill all the outside lights in the camp. And then they were using small LED lights as part of whatever the missions were. And there was something really interesting about these tiny little lights. They're like the light of a firefly, but they don't blink. These tiny little lights that you would find scattered about in places in a bush or in a rock. And it really drew my attention, just this tiny little light, something that would be completely irrelevant and lost in the normal space because there's so much going on with noises and visual. And I, I, it strikes me that like, oh, wow, you went to exactly the same place I was thinking, which is somehow to like, I don't want to bring technology back out here because it's so great in an organic space, but just that idea of bringing the, um, instead of always trying to bring the organic into our built spaces, it would be kind of fun to bring some technology out. And that might even be something fun, like slow motion, like we run this drill and then we're going to slow motion, do, look at slow motion video of you doing the receiving of energy drill with the PVC pipe. But Yeah, and actually it would look really cool when all the lights are out. So yeah. something to consider for next year. Terrific. Um, Nikki, if people want to get a hold of you or find Wildly Fit, how can they find you and track you down and... So the best way to find me is on Instagram. It's at getwildlyfit. It's the same thing on Facebook. Uh, and on Instagram especially, I post a lot of the movement games that I use with my students. So uh, I'd love to connect with other coaches there and share ideas. Cool. More is Wildly Fit on the web? It's getwildlyfit.com. Terrific. It's a pleasure to get a chance to sit down and talk to you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You're welcome. This was one of 23 interviews from the 2019 North American Art of Retreat. To hear the rest, check out Art of Retreat on castbox.fm. You can find out more about the Art of Retreat at artofretreat.com. Thank you for listening.